Hi, and welcome to Inference, an AI business podcast by Silo AI. I'm Ville Hulko, a co-founder of Silo. Silo is the largest private AI lab in the Nordics, building human-centric AI solutions and offering deep modeling expertise. And with the Inference podcast, we introduce a number of topics and figures from the global AI scene that every business decision maker should be aware of. Now, with me today, I have Mr. Zach Shelby. Zach is the CEO and co-founder of Edge Impulse, a company set out to democratize tiny machine learning, the art of squeezing AI models into smaller and smaller packages, opening up doors into AI in Edge devices. Over the course of the next 45 minutes or so, we're going to be discussing the world of edge computing, the relationship of cloud, local, and sensor level, and how AI is evolving to have um, a larger impact in smaller packages, if you will. Now, Zach is an exceptional figure in the Nordic AI scene. Originally from northern Michigan, Zach made his way to Finland first through research and later as a co-founder of Sensinode, a pioneer of edge analytics back in 2006. After selling his company to Arm, Zach spent his time between Finland, Silicon Valley and London while holding various directive roles within Arm. In 2019, he set off on another entrepreneurial venture to co-found Edge Impulse. Zach and I also have to be co-investors in a PropTech computer vision startup. Zach, um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome. Thank you, Vila. It's super to be, to be on, the, on the show, and I, I look forward to talking about machine learning everywhere, especially on, on the edge, edge of compute. Great. Um, so I guess I already gave out a bit of your CV, but it's always really interesting to have people tell their own story. So it'd be great if you can... Uh, Introduce yourself. Yeah, I, I've um, got an interesting background in that I'm, I'm an American Finn. So I'm an American and emigrated to, to the Nordics and, and to Finland um, back when I was a student in university studying electrical engineering. And that was in, in 1996, actually, when I moved um, from Michigan to, to northern Finland. And I, and I did all my... Um, end of university, uh, graduate school um, at the University of Oulu. And it was an amazing time and place to study and do some of the pioneering engineering around the internet and internet technologies and sensor analytics right on embedded devices that are low power, wireless, cheap. And that was always something that really motivated me, bringing this new technology into the space of invisible computers that are all around us, mm, right? Um, mm. Um, but that we don't really see or we don't interact with them like we think of a computer or a mobile phone. Yeah. And, and that got me on this, this path to go build the Internet of Things, the technology, and as, as an entrepreneur, um, as co-founder of Sensinode, right, bring that technology to all developers working in all industries, right? How do we democratize mm. this? Because before that, it wasn't really available unless you were very deep in the industry as a vendor of the technology, you know, mm. Honeywell mm. or an Emerson. Yeah. You couldn't really go and do, you know, communications to, to a device. But the Internet of Things opened that all up for innovation for anyone. Mm. And that's something that really has driven me throughout my career. I found that I'm really good at helping get technology in production. And Edge Impulse is very much about that same thing. 
But the new wave of technology that's coming to the edge and to embedded is machine learning. And the reason for that is that we have so much more compute available. Um, radio and cloud still costs us, right? It costs us energy, it costs us money to move all that data around. Mm-hmm. Whereas because these edge devices with Moore's law have become so much more capable from a mathematics perspective yeah. and very, very low power, it actually starts to make sense for us to do as much ML as we can mm. right at the edge. And let's send intelligent information about what's really happening um, to the cloud and work with that. Yeah. And there's actually <laughs> another link that is connecting us uh, from a blast from the past. So Ville Mikkelson, also from Sensenode, actually joined Silo AI just a few weeks ago. So um, there's another link of the Nordic machine learning scene, I suppose, that's coming together. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Ville and I have worked together for a long time. Ville was actually one of the first advisors for Sensenode when we were really just first starting the company. Yeah. So we go back a long ways. Uh, and I would love to hear a little bit more about Edge Impulse. So now after spending the last years at ARM, managing developers, managing Edge, um, you're now working as an entrepreneur again and focusing on tiny machine learning. So what's Edge Impulse about? Well, Edge Impulse is about enabling developers who work on Edge problems, right? The people who are domain experts, engineers in their fields, to take advantage of machine learning solving real-time device data problems. Different data streams that are available across these industries from sensors like vibration or radar Mm. to audio streams on both human speech and machine, Mm. as well as images um, of machines, processes, facilities, and video streams, um, all the way into device logs and and network logs that these data um, devices produce at the edge. Those are all applications that we can work with if we enable the developers um, that are already involved in those industries to take advantage of machine learning. Mm. And Edge Impulse is all about that. How can we enable those developers to make use of machine learning, take advantage of it? Yeah, yeah. And maybe those for the uninitiated in the world of uh, deep AI modeling, I think for some, the concept of tiny machine learning might be a new one as well, because, you know, everyone's been talking about AI, which is still a very abstract concept, right? Um, so we're now just getting used to defining these terms exactly as they are in machine learning, in AI, computer vision, NLP, and so forth. But would you give us an introduction to, in your words, what is tiny machine learning? Uh, you're really right that um, in the past, you've had the concept that machine learning and AI is about very large models, right? Um, Mm. And the larger, the better, right? Can we make models that are hundreds of megabytes in size, gigabytes Mm. in size, terabytes in size, the bigger, the better, right? To solve extremely complex problems with very, very large sets of data in the cloud. Now, at the same time, though, um, all that research into machine learning architectures, right? Both classical ML as well as neural networks and deep neural networks, also gave us a lot of tools for making those machine learning models much more efficient. Because interestingly enough, those really big cloud models have to be squeezed down to to really efficiently run in the cloud at deployment, right? Those same techniques can be applied to small models to make them work even better on on edge devices. And so the research in the field started to be applicable to be applied to really small machine learning problems that could be run right on the edge. 
And um, at the same time, the hardware started to become much more capable. And this is something that we realized about three years ago while working at ARM, that Moore's Law had really caught up with the math. Mm. And that we were able to run these very complex mathematical algorithms, matrix multiplication, floating point units, um, vector extensions for accelerating the math, um, that made machine learning possible, right, and efficient right at mm. the edge. Yeah. And TinyML is really the intersection of those two things, taking the latest ML technology for applying very small, efficient machine learning algorithms mm. to these efficient um computers that live at the edge so microcontrollers and and small cpus yeah, yeah. Um, typically a couple dollars in cost you know milliwatts of power mm. to run these algorithms yeah and so last spring we joined forces between a bunch of players in the industry um google tensorflow arm qualcomm were some of the companies that were involved with founding what's now called the tiny ml foundation mm. And the Tiny Mouth Foundation is just a group of organizations. Um, Edge Impulse is part of that. We're sponsoring the foundation to go and spread the word and educate people about um, Tiny Mouth, which is machine learning for low power devices right on the edge, working with real time data. Yeah, and it's a really interesting time in the world of AI right now because because you introduced the topic of democratization of Tiny ML and AI in that sense, and I suppose that you know. It comes in a two-sided coin, right? The first side of the coin is the accessibility for the developers themselves, because you know historically AI has been something for the data scientists, the deep mm -hmm. modeling experts, and now through toolkits, the transition is starting to um, come to life, um, where pre-packaged and pre-mapped out workflows are given to engineers and developers who necessarily don't have the fundamental mathematical background in building machine learning and enabling them to create, you know, sometimes on a drag and drop basis, these machine learning workflows, which are applicable in business scenarios, right? So kind of the vertical explosion of the machine learning capabilities. And this is, you know, as I understand, one of the things that Edge Impulse is offering right now, I took a look at some of the toolkits that you guys are providing and they're beautiful. And then there's the other side of the coin, which is kind of where machine learning is being pushed into right now. Previously, just like you described, you know, AI equaled cloud or AI equaled powerful CPUs or GPUs, which are very limited in quantity. But now as things are becoming smaller, the power requirements are becoming smaller. It's actually possible to push more and more and more of these machine learning instances into smaller places which were not accessible before. So no, not only are we now facing an explosion in the developer base, if you will, of fundamental machine learning, but we're also facing an explosion of places where you can ingest machine learning into. And it's Edge Impulse is a really interesting case because you guys are kind of acting and operating kind of in the pivot point of all this that's taking place right now. Yeah, so there's a couple of mega trends going on um, in the entire ML industry. In the big cloud side of the industry, um, we see that it's really data scientists serving business analysts and the business analysts are mm -hmm. the end customer. Yeah. I've even you know talked to ML companies like H2O AI that makes some generic data science tools. Mm. And it turns out when they talk about developers, they actually mean business analysts. That's their end user. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of these tools are either trying to automate problems for data scientists or automate mm. um, this for business analysts. 
And there's been some realization that um, that's great, but as you start to deploy these algorithms in production, um, you get into a lot of DevOps problems. Yeah. And DevOps is something that's holding back, right? A lot of um, AI projects in the cloud. Mm. Um, so what you see happening is that ML ops starts to be a, a growing field for, for the whole industry where there's solutions for managing data sets and data set flows, yes. managing labeling and testing, et cetera, mm. um, to help solve some of those, those production problems in the cloud. But mm. those are still aimed at data scientists and data science flows. Mm -hmm. When you move into edge compute, it's interesting because the people involved with edge compute are not data scientists and they're not business analysts and they're not going to be, right? The people mm -hmm. involved with edge compute are developers and engineers who are building systems. It's system engineering and it's domain specific. These people have really great domain knowledge in their field mm -hmm. and they want to be able to apply machine learning in what they do, mm -hmm. but they need the tooling to make that A, possible and B, um, deployable. So they also need ML ops, maybe even more so than in the cloud, yeah. because these things have to be put in production, right, on real devices. Mm. And so our approach at Edge Impulse has been to, to approach this completely fresh from a pure developer point of view and make sure that we're building um, the capability for ML ops into the platform from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So I suppose what you're describing here is it's a generation shift, right? Uh, between uh, how we perceive data science and how we perceive engineering. And now the lines are kind of starting to fade. And the interesting thing perhaps about tiny machine learning is that now that it makes AI accessible to, well, frankly, places where it wasn't accessible before, like factories and so forth, you really need to start thinking about the whole ecosystem or how it's being built. So if you think about... I suppose one of the classical cases for edge computing in the scenario is implementing intelligence into a factory, right? Into a factory mm -hmm. process. So let's imagine that we are setting up a visual quality control system or um, a flaw detection system within a, a long and complex piece of machinery within a factory, right? Um, there's so many different layers and so many different components involved because there's obviously the cloud in some cases, but more often than not, many factories are operating with their own um, closed local systems where the inference needs to take place, where the devices are all connected to the same central hub. And now we're kind of reaching the next generation where the sensors themselves are starting to, you know, based on what you described with the microcontrollers, are starting to have a limited amount of intelligence embedded within them. So now we kind of need to start rethinking the whole ecosystem um, that it's not necessarily a you know, a closed down play, but it's becoming more and more modular in that sense. So kind of what you're bringing to the table with the AI DevOps themselves is, you know, it's crossing over to so many different sectors, right? It's crossing over into engineering, but it's also crossing over to the fundamental processes where people are really not doing the development themselves, but they are teaching a system through their own experts everyday work, right? That's right. And luckily, um these industrial enterprise systems have opened up a lot in the past 20 years. Right? Mm, this mm. this whole whole revolution of IoT that we already had coming into there has has opened up those edge compute um, routers, gateways, industrial control units um, a lot. So these are starting to be kind of standardized 
embedded in Linux, um, RTOS systems, mm. where we can deploy software and we can access these, um, if not from the end user's point of view, even from the, um, the equipment manufacturer's point of view, mm. we're able to go and engineer new algorithms into the devices. And, and the great thing about machine learning inference is it's really just a software module. <laughs> yeah, it's you know when, once we've done all the difficult work of right the the whole the whole ML ops life cycle of de- gathering the data sets, the algorithms, training everything, testing, but once we hit deploy, mm. what we get is a standalone mathematical inference algorithm. It's raw data in, probabilities out. That's mm. it. No cloud dependencies, no other dependencies internally. It's just math. And that's actually one of the most beautiful, cleanest um, software modules you can have on one of these devices. So the real integration and deployment isn't all that bad um, once you can actually go build your algorithms, which is the hard part. I really like that. That's really uh, beautiful. It put the, the cleanliness and clarity of uh, machine learning at the end of the day. Um, and I suppose, you know, picking up from what you said, well, one of the things that's always interesting is case studies, right? You know. Mm-hmm. seeing where these kinds of new things are being implemented already because you know let's face it like even in the world of ai despite all the hype despite all the narrative over the past few years we've been in this um i would argue that we've been a nation of pocs and pilot projects but now over the past 12 months or so real legacy industries have started to cross over into actual profitable or value generating ai activities um, but it'd be really interesting to see, you know, get your opinion about what the case and the situation is in Edge and what you see as kind of the the low-hanging fruit case studies that it's being implemented right now. No, great question. Um, the, the great thing about being a developer platform where you can simply sign up for mm. a developer account and go to market for free um, in the beginning with Edge Impulse is that we get access to a lot of these use cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of the ones that come to mind that are really interesting are, for example, in industrial, we have a lot of people doing um, predictive maintenance and machine monitoring. Mm. Um, how is an, a motor behaving? Is it behaving an, with anomalies? Is a particular pattern that we're matching that could mean a failure? And that can be done with vibration sensors or audio sensors, right? Mm. Most often. And we have a bunch of real industrial cases like that, right? Companies that make these systems starting to apply machine learning to solve those problems. Mm. So that's a very common case that comes our way. Um, We're also seeing applications in monitoring machines through electric currents. So one of our customers actually in Finland is solving problems with electric current clamps and monitoring the electric signal, the current that a machine is consuming Mm. and matching patterns that match failure modes. Yeah. Right. Through current. So abnormal current consumption is something that we've seen in industry and also in consumer applications. Mm. Um, We have applications in electric grid monitoring Mm. where companies are using sensors in um, electrical infrastructure to monitor abnormal vibrations in the infrastructure, Mm. um, abnormal frequencies in um, the electric signal. even physical damage, right? That can be monitored like ice damage or wind damage that mm. can be monitored with sensors. And what comes to mind, for example, is the, you know, the California fires that we've had yes. um, last year were really horrible, right? And 
they were caused by electric cable downs that could have been detected, right? Mm -hmm. Physically detected um, through sensors. And so we're seeing applications in in that infrastructure space. Um, Similarly, in India, we have an application for water infrastructure monitoring because Mm -hmm. water is a really hot topic there. Um, This shared water infrastructure, is it being misused, right? Are valves being set correctly? Are there leaks, right? A lot of applications in water leak detection using um, TinyML. So another really interesting case we're seeing is in agriculture. Um, Mm -hmm. One of our users is developing a vibration monitoring system for palm trees Mm -hmm. where they're using a vibration sensor in the core of the tree to detect um, infestations of, of bugs. And these bugs make a certain vibration movement, right, when they're working in the tree. And we can detect that with tiny machine learning. And in this case, there is a vibration sensor attached to each palm tree. And attached into each sensor, there is a microcontroller, which is basically embedded with basic inference capabilities. And then once an anomaly is found, it's being broadcasted to a central unit. That's right. Yep with a probability score of infestation, right? Or how serious it is. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating application. We're going to see much more like that in agriculture as well. Oh. Um, and then one that came to us recently where we have um, a product being developed is in thermal imaging of elephants <laughs> in Africa, where we're using a, a very small, very cheap um, uh, thermal camera with a passive um, motion sensor where when the camera detects motion, we take a thermal image, we run that through TinyML image classification mm. to detect whether there's an elephant in the image yeah. or whether there's a person, could be poaching, or possibly livestock, mm. right? which often gets confused with, with elephant activity. And using tiny machine learning to just determine the number of elephant sighting events that we have um, at very low power, right, right in the yeah. field. We, we can do similar things with audio for animals. We've seen a lot of applications in animal audio signature detection in the field. Mm. And I suppose one of the misconceptions of HAI and tiny machine learning right now is also the fact that, you know, you can only do very rudimentary modeling around that, that, for example, computer vision is off the table when you go far enough into the edge, which is not necessarily the case these days. That's not the case at all. That's really interesting is that um, the bar for what we can do on edge compute is going up all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the way I the way I kind of, you know, give people advice for the state of the art at the moment is that on a 32-bit microcontroller, right? Mm. We can process any type of time series sensor data. Yeah. Vibration, gyroscope, magnetic fields, simple radars, you name it. Yeah. We can all of that can be done in real time. And for example, right, in in our algorithms to process 2 seconds of accelerometer data Mm. it takes the neural network one millisecond to execute and it only takes four kilobytes of flash and ram that's how small this stuff gets yeah yeah and so it's extremely efficient power efficient and compute efficient to to process that type of time series sensor data Mm. when we get into audio and and um kind of uh high frequency radars which create like an audio style um spectrogram right Mm. That gets a little bit more complex, but that's still within the the scope of microcontrollers. So, for example, our audio pattern matching um, algorithm, we have a one we recently did a tutorial on uh, matching the sound of water. 
mm. right, in the background. That algorithm, the entire thing for processing one second of audio takes 14 milliseconds to execute on a microcontroller mm. and 10K of RAM and flash. Mm. So very real time, right, very fast. Um, as we get into images, so anomaly detection and simple classification in images, mm. um, you are actually still within the realm of microcontrollers. There are projects like OpenMV, mm. amazing microcontroller-based camera board with real-time Python computer vision on board. And that class of Cortex-M7, even Cortex-M4, mm. it is possible to do image classification. It will take you more time, hundreds of milliseconds, maybe even a second. Mm. Um, but it is the class of algorithm that if you're not in a hurry, right, to process yeah. a single image, like in this camera, um, elephant thermal image camera solution, um, you know, taking up to four seconds is fine. Yeah. No problem, right? We don't take images that often. And so that is within the realm of microcontrollers. But mm. we can also deploy this technology on CPUs, right? Cortex-A yeah. kind of embedded Linux class devices. There's They're still cheap, you know, $5 for a processor. Mm. That, that will run embedded Linux. Then we can get into even faster performance on images and you can get into video processing, right? Where frames are coming so fast that you've mm. got to be um, fast in your inference. That opens up that possibility as well for TinyML. Yeah. Now, I remember a case we went through with Silo, uh, which was in the field of maritime industry as well. So we were monitoring the condition of an engine room. And we started off with a Raspberry Pi based system to do thermal image recognition as well as some audio cue recognition from the system. But as we went forward, we kind of realized is that there's no need for such a granular data feed, right? To process 24 images per second. Because essentially if a valve is to fail and you know a burst of hot air is gonna come out, it's gonna come out as a continuous stream, not a single burst which kind of led us into the revelation that we can actually use a much smaller system and if need be up the amount of sensors and measurement points that will be kind of ingesting into the engine room itself to kind of get a more of a better coverage about what's going on. So I suppose heading into the edges, if you will, is kind of also this kind of a trial and error process of discovering what is it that you actually need and don't need for the case study mm -hmm. at hand. And that's the nice thing about doing development in the cloud, right? Which is our mm. approach. Let's move all the data sets to the cloud. Let's move all the algorithms into cloud hosting. And then we can play with the different combinations. Mm. So one of the things that we do in our platform is that every time you choose a neural network and train it with data yeah. and you train the network, we immediately tell you what the, the size of the model and the inference time of the model will be on target A versus target B. Mm. Immediately, right? In the yes. cloud. So you already get a realistic um, impression of, aha, what is this going to run on and how fast will it run? And you can start making those kind of hardware choices in your mind as you're working on the algorithm. Mm. And that that's a huge difference, right? Because in the past, we had the guess. And we usually guess that you need something really big, yeah. right, in order to solve this problem. So, Zach, we're going to be starting to wrap up soon. But before we do, I'd love to get your... <laughs> I'd love to get your prediction as well of the future um, because tiny machine learning is now, it's starting to break into the everyday language of AI development that it's starting to break into actual uh, use cases. But it's still, it's still early days, right? Or it's been so far. So how do you see the next 24 months in terms of uh, edge AI and especially tiny ML? What's the future gonna hold? 
Well, having a, a foundation around TinyML and a whole movement around TinyML, I think is rapidly kind of accelerating this space, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just us as a startup or one silicon vendor pushing this, right? It's an entire industry that really wants to move forward with making the technology available. So mm-hmm. a, a few you know, insights from my side, you know, we're gonna see our developer ecosystem grow by orders of magnitude, mm-hmm. right? We're already seeing that. Developers are really interested to learn more about this and, and learn how to apply it in their day-to-day jobs. Yeah. So we'll see the developer ecosystem grow and we'll see the number of commercial deployments really rapidly expand over the next 24 months because mm-hmm. we already see people working on things and they're not just POCs. These are real serious problems they have to solve and they and they know they can do it with the right tooling. Um, so we'll see that happen. Um, in, in parallel, we're going to see a lot happen in the silicon industry. So we've started applying our tiny amount algorithms to just software math on today's MCUs and CPUs, no special acceleration, right? Mm. This is just the basic MCU and CPU you already have in these devices. Yeah. Um, but the entire silicon industry has really gotten behind um, machine learning at the edge. And you know, recent estimates showed that the edge um, machine learning market was going to be worth $70 billion in the next five years mm. for the silicon industry. That's huge. Yeah. Right, so almost every silicon vendor already has a plan for releasing even better hardware mm. um, for machine learning, and so that means that you know, as the people enabling these algorithms, we'll have more acceleration that we can target when we build and compile the inference for the device. So, ARM has a, a new neural network acceleration architecture coming out. We'll start to see the first parts next year. Mm. Um, today, we just announced. Um, in a press release with Edicompute that we're supporting their ultra low power part, which uses a DSP for acceleration. So we can start to accelerate the neural network and the signal processing with DSP in parallel to the low power MCU. Mm. So you can get down to like 100 microwatts of power while you're running interference, which is amazing. So that's kind of the very low end on the power side. Um, and then we have several other players that are doing an entire neural network accelerators, right? Where instead mm-hmm. of just accelerating pieces of math, you accelerate the entire neural network. Um, and, you know, there's vendors like Sintient that do that at low power for audio applications. So we're seeing amazing thing happen with silicon. And over the next two years, we're going to see a lot of new parts come in um, from the silicon industry. But all that means is that we'll be able to do m- more complex machine learning workloads at lower power. Mm. I don't think it's going to mean that people are going to necessarily just do more complex things. I think people are going to do the things they already need to do faster mm-hmm. with cheaper parts with less power. So you'll see like the like the video applications start to make their way into MCUs. Yeah. Zach, this is really interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be on. And one thing that I do want to mention um, about Edge Impulse is your content, right? So I went to your website and I went to your channels that you used to distribute and I took a look at some of the case studies and some of the instructional videos that you guys have on and it's remarkable. It's really clear and really understandable um, to kind of visualize and explain what tiny machine learning is and how simple it actually is to put it into practice. Well, at least to generate the basic modeling. Um, So for anyone listening, I do encourage you to uh, go and have a look at some of the video content uh, Edge Impulse is producing. It's uh, it's supreme. 
So please do go ahead and have a look at what uh, Edge Impulse is doing, and you can get in touch with them through hello at edgeimpulse.com. And with Silo AI, we're doing work around implementing Edge AI into business processes themselves. So with any questions, you can get in touch with Ville Mikkelson from Silo AI. He's the specialist in Edge AI. Um, with that, Zach, I thank you so much for uh, for taking the time, especially sitting in California right now, and the day is just getting started with the family <laughs> in the middle of the coronavirus quarantine and all the hassles. So uh, I really appreciate you uh, setting the time and the space to to do this. Thank you, Bill. All right, and thank you so much.